Well, good morning. Uh, Joe asked uh, if today's sermon was going to be uh, shorter because he's got a birthday party to attend. It's his own. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, well, questions like that, just make them run longer. Sorry. You know? <laughs> like, but we're, uh, we're glad to just be here together. And uh, if I, you're not doing anything every fourth Sunday and even other Sundays too, uh, join us Sunday school hour. Uh, learning uh, with uh, adults or, or kids, um, just how to follow Jesus in, in our time, in our world. And then every fourth Sunday is snacks and Bible trivia and just, just a fun time. So it was, it was a lot of fun. And then there's, there's, there's prizes at the end so to, to just have some fun. And I hope and pray you had a good week. Did you? You know, through the ups and downs and all arounds, right? You know, it's, it's good. You know, the Lord is good. I don't know about you, but I don't like waiting. Right? No? Anybody? Any takers? You know, I, I was talking to Hannah about this, and you know, I was like, the waiting rooms are the worst thing ever invented. And she's like, you got to build on that illustration. I'm like, yeah, that's true. Well, then you go into the small waiting room, and that's even worse because I was thinking about it. I'm like, you're sitting there, and you're just waiting for them. I'm like, oh, just get it done. Just stick the needle in. Do whatever you need. You know, let me go home. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, you know, there's different sizes. You know, there's through life, we're, we're squished down. We might be alone. But then we go into this other waiting room, and there's people, and there's magazines to look at. And it's like, you know, there's all these different variations of what how we wait and where we wait. And it's cool that the church is this waiting room that we're, we're in it together, right? You know, we can, we can talk to each other. We can fellowship with each other. We can bear one another's burdens. We can pray for each other's test results. We can, we can live life together in the waiting room, right? You know, and, you know, it's that already not yet scenario that we have that we, we keep on talking about as John goes on in his letter. You know, it's like, I thought about it too, where it's like, yeah, waiting room is bad because you're done and, you know, there's people out there and then you go to that small one and you're like, cushed down and all by yourself and then you hear people walk by and they're laughing and having a good day and it's like, oh, I'm next, man. They're going to be laughing about me. <laughs> yeah. And um, you know, waiting is hard, but when we wait for something or someone with an expectation of great things to come from it, we don't mind, Right? You know, if we think about the events of our lives from the first date to the one we really, really like and can't stop texting and can't stop talking to. And then, you know, you get to go on the first date, you get to hold hands the first time. I still remember the, the moment it happened. Right. And what movie we were watching, too. <laughs> you know, we're over the moon. And we look forward to the date that we set when we get to say, I do, in front of the Almighty and in front of friends and family as a witness. You know, it's an amazing picture of, of marriage, right? As this picture of a bride and a groom and the groom coming and waiting for his bride to be readied and then to walk down the aisle. I remember being at a friend's wedding and just seeing the amazing picture of what a bride and a groom represent and how it's not in any other scripture out there, right? Any other holy texts or anything, but what scripture talks about through Paul 
is that the church is the bride of Christ and Jesus is the bridegroom. Paul states it like this in Ephesians. He says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy without blemish in the same way husbands should love their wives as their own bodies he who loves his wife loves himself for no one has ever hated his own flesh but nourishes it and cherishes it just as Christ does the church. I, I love that, right? That just stands out, just as Christ does the church. Because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife. And behold, the two shall become one flesh. I, I like this part. I, I quote this part very much sometimes is, this is a profound mystery. <laughs> One Bible uh, pastor up in New York said, yeah, marriage is a mystery sometimes, right? <laughs> you know? But he states this. He says, I am saying it as it refers to Christ and the church, right? It's a whole illustration point that, that Paul is saying, look at what Jesus has done for the body of Christ. This is how husbands should love their wives. And then he states this, however, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let wives see that she respects her husband. And that's when all the liberals freak out. <laughs> as Paul addresses the household of believers, he paints this beautiful picture of love because it's, it's not about lust or rom-com bliss, right? I think that's, that's the worldly story you know, staggering love of, of what it is to, to be in love. But this love is agape love. You know, we have one word for love, right? The Greeks had four. You know, agape love is an amazing thing that is defined as the highest form of love. It is selfless, sacrificial, and unconditional love. It persists no matter the circumstance. That right away immediately made me think of John 3.16, right? God so loved the world. He loves everyone. That he persists in showing them his love by sending his son for all of us. You know, we can go through and see all the worldly definitions, but let's see the one that matters, right? God's. God's definition of things always matters, right? <laughs> Paul states it like this in Corinthians. Love is patient and kind. And then there, you ever hear inherit the mirth? They're old little cartoons back in the day. No? They're, yeah. They're, they were up in Billings, Montana. <laughs> um, but it said love and patient, love is kind, love is slowly losing your mind. And it shows a little picture of Paul writing the letter of Corinthians in the Sunday school room with all these kids like throwing ink at each other and everything. I always picture that when I read this part. But it's love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Right? Just as Jesus is the truth and the people of the truth listen to his voice because he is the truth. Right? We, we rejoice when truth wins the day. 
Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. And two fitting passages on marriage, right? You know, there's a wedding today, apparently. <laughs> but they're great, amazing pictures of God's love for us. That this is not just something worth waiting for, but as someone worth waiting for. It is a, a person worth, worth waiting for because God so loved the world that he sent the bridegroom, right? He, he sent his only unique son that whoever believes upon him shall not die in their sins, but have everlasting life. Because in Christ, we are born again. We are born from above yeah, the power of God's love overcomes. That's, that's the amazing thing of, of Corinthians is, is that it overcomes. It reigns supreme. Jesus is whom we wait upon with constant hope and expectation that when we see him, all of the stuff that is out of place, all that we have lost, all of the struggles, all of the pain, all that we endure will be replaced with great joy of his presence. That is awesome. Should we just wrap it up there, Joe? Or should we pray and go on to scripture? <laughs> Let's pray and before we return in the text. Oh, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that as we look at things like waiting for a birthday, waiting for a date with a loved one, waiting for marriage, or waiting for your return. That just paints this beautiful picture that there are things that are worth waiting for, that our constant hope and expectation is with the return of Christ Jesus to catch us all up who believe in him. That as we await the coming king with his kingdom and his angels and and judgment to come that we would warn the whole world to repent and believe because the day is marked out we don't we don't know what day it is but you do lord god and you are patient and you are kind and you are long suffering and waiting for all to have that chance that opportunity to repent to hear to believe thank you for a great time of fellowship downstairs a good time of snacks and thank you for time to pray to be together to sing to you our king be with us in this time as we are in your word and rid us of all the distractions everything that's taken place this last week and everything that's to come all of our worries and everything lord that we cast them upon him who cares for us that we would bear one another's burdens and Father God, we thank you for this time. Lead us, equip us, encourage us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, uh, please turn in your Bibles with me to First First John chapter three. It's kind of like where the year go. I'm like, well, those first two chapters went by fast too. Like, what <laughs> what happened? Um. Uh, First John chapter 3 will be in verses 1 through 3. So it's only three verses, buddy. It should be pretty short, right? No? Yeah. <laughs> John states this. 
we see what kind of love the Father has given us, given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Now we wait for a lot of things in our day. We, we wait for fast food, right? You know, those lines keep on getting longer. We wait for test results. We wait in the checkout lines at the store. We wait for hurts to heal. And we wait for our king and his coming kingdom. John wants the believer in Christ to know that in Christ Jesus, in the Messiah, in the life made manifest, that those who trust in him are children of God. Throughout this letter, John has been addressing the household, right? The church. Other letters definitely do address it as well, but John's focal point is the household. That we would know our standing in Christ Jesus. That we can be people living with hope, living in the light. That no matter what comes our way in the here and now, Jesus is coming back. Hold to that promise. I love uh, what Pastor Mike Winger had said uh, in a couple episodes ago of the study of the book of Romans. He said that proof of his second coming is the first. And I was like, oh, that's good. And then he said this, is that proof of his future plans is found in the fulfillment of his past, his past plans. I'm like, that's, that's really good. And then it reminded me of what one of my Bible college professors said, uh, said about the subject, is that prophecy is about purifying the believer. Prophecy is not about just the head knowledge, right? Of like, oh, we know, and you, know, you see all those ministries that are like, oh, it's this day, it's that day. You know, there was a big famous one a couple of years ago that it was, what, May 16th, 2019 or 2018, something, that it was going to be, you know, and it was on billboards everywhere, and it was... It's not true, because we do not know the date or the hour or the time, whereas other people have kind of specified, well, we kind of know the year, you know, but it's like, no, we know it's going to happen. We're just on the welcoming committee, right? That's a good meme that I found. You know, it's not so much about knowing. Those are good things to, to know and to debate and have fun in the, in the end times, you know, debates and everything but it's about the heart it's about action and words done now spoken now what is to come and better yet who is to come should greatly affect how we act today john states it like this in first in the first verse see what kind of love the father has given to us that we should be children of god and so called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. It's like almost like at this beginning of chapter three, he's given all this information through one and two, and he kind of like tells them, stop. 
Just stop and look at it for a minute. Stop and, and gaze upon the love that the Father has given us. That we would gaze upon the Messiah with great joy. That actually points us back to the, the first measuring rod, right? That he hands the church, that he hands the household. And it's found in verses 1 through 4 in, in chapter 1, if we want to shoot back there for a minute. And he states this, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest, and we have seen it. And we testify to it and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. That which we have seen, we have heard, we proclaim also to you so that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. Now, this is the love that God so loved the world with, right? That he sent his son to bring sinners new life through the life made manifest, through the life seen and heard, right? It's not something out there in a dark corner that you got to go and pay a guru or pay somebody else or find in a dark chasm and, oh, I have hidden knowledge. It's like, no, this is knowledge poured forth and expressed to the whole of the world. It's not a hidden truth as we see of the creed, the first creed that is, you know, he passes down, Paul passes down what he first heard. And that's an early church creed that goes, dates back to maybe even months after the resurrection. You know, in Christ we have fellowship with God, fellowship with each other, and this is our joy. Right? To have that fellowship and to express it out to the whole of the world and to be that witness. It's kind of like a marathon, right? You know, John is passing the baton and passing it on. You know, Paul says it like this in the book of Romans. For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And then he goes on and a few verses down in, in the book of Romans and he states this, God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know, like how uh, Mike Winger talked about it, the first three chapters of Romans is proving everyone's a sinner, right? And then Paul gets to Romans 5, and he's like, he died for the ungodly. And there's everybody, Jew, Gentile, everybody. We are unable to meet God's holy standard. But God shows us his love for the ungodly by sending Christ Jesus to die for all of us. And then we in Christ receive it. We receive this great love and are called to live in the light of this love. And we are called children of God. And we are. You know, the world, on the other hand, does not know this love and doesn't know us because it has not known him, they in fact have, have rejected the love of God found in Christ. But where light is, there's judgment for those that do not accept the light. Paul tells us that in Second uh, Thessalonians, he states this, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, 
inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Right, and as you've you know, read and heard from Paul's other letters is that there's not anybody that doesn't know God, right? You know, he's clearly stated that in the book of Romans is everyone knows there is. Everyone does. You know, people, or sorry, revelation, revelation brings with it responsibility. If we see and hear general revelation, if we see the Almighty's work, his handiwork in created things, the question is, is do we praise him or do we praise it? Right? And Paul talks about that in Romans 1. If we hear the gospel message of his great love, do we receive it or reject it? And he talks about that later in Romans 1 where it's the power of God unto salvation. That's the gospel, period. There's nothing else. What we do personally with the information before us is of great importance. Jesus states it like this, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than light because their works were evil. You know, this was an interesting thing because I was looking at some other passages in the gospel of, you know, when, when the message of the kingdom went out or when an illustration was, was presented by Jesus of like, you know, when it goes out, when the news comes of like the wedding feast, right? And the king's like, ready at everything and go and, you know, tell the guests it's ready. And those stories really stand out. Those parables really stand out is that people do not have time to be inconvenienced, right? You know, we're all waiting for something, right? Oh, no, I got no time to talk. I'm, I'm going this way, right? They have what they have, and they don't need anyone telling them that they're lost. You know, that's a huge message from the early 2000s on the book Unchristian and some other you know, uh, studies and everything is that people did not like being grouped and everything. And a lot of the millennials and different generations have really gone away with that. It's like, stop grouping things, and now we're grouping things even more, so we're doing the opposite. But they didn't like being told where they were. But yet, if you're lost, you need to be informed of how to get back to home. You know, they had farms to tend to. They had a business to run. They made excuses that they bought five yoke of oxen and had to examine them. Or they had even just married a wife and, and cannot come. You know, we can make excuses and excuses after one after another to not receive God. But the truth is, is that those that do not come to the light will face judgment because not receiving the Son, we are condemned already. As, as Jesus states it himself, right? That's, that's Jesus talking. It's not, not some dude out there somewhere. It's like, no, it's, it's the Lord Almighty. Now, this is why the world apart from Christ, or this is what the world apart from Christ faces. But yet those in him, those in the house, have this to look forward in verse 2 of chapter 3 of 1 John, he states this, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. It's a cool verse, right? It's an amazing verse. If we rest upon the finished work 
of Christ Jesus upon the cross, if we trust in him for our salvation alone, if we place our full assurance upon him who justifies the ungodly, then we are now children of God. It is, it is a, a now statement, right? Now please turn in your Bibles with me to the Gospel of John. Gospel of John chapter 1. It's verses uh, 9 through 13. In the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 9 through 13, John records this. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. And he was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, his own people, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the true light came. Jesus took upon flesh and was born a babe in Bethlehem. All right, glad tidings, right? Glad tidings. He lived among us, and those that received him, receive him even now, are born from above born by the will of God. And we are, as Peter states, we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Christ from the dead. And as he states later, he says, this is not perishable, but imperishable. For in Christ, we are born of the Spirit. I like how Paul adds to this. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And we are, we are now new creations in Christ Jesus. And as we have said, as we have seen throughout the scripture, that those that receive the Lord now have this other calling, right? The, the world's call is to repent and believe upon Christ. And, and once they do that, they come into the household. And they are now called to, to work out or sorry, to, to walk worthy of their calling, to go further in and further up. You know, we are not called to be pew potatoes, right? That's, you know, don't be the pew potato. Don't be the couch potato. No, we are called to, to serve. We are called to love. We are called to build one, up, build one another up, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to be ambassadors for Christ, crying out to the world, be reconciled to God through Christ. That we would implore them. You know, this, the whole of the New Testament letters are to, are to implore the believer. To implore the believer not to fall back into fear because we have not received a spirit of slavery. Right? We have received a spirit of Christ. The mind of Christ. And we're to seek out what is the will of God. What is good, true, and right through our life. We have received grace. We have received a spirit of adoption as sons. And we can cry out, Abba, Father. 
For in Christ we are all sons of God through faith. So in him, as, as sons and daughters of God through Christ Jesus, we are called to be about the purpose of his will. You know, we are in a now, but we're also in a already not yet part of being saved, right? We've talked about the, the three folds of salvation, and we await the day of salvation, yet we're already saved, and then we're working out our salvation. It's like, how, how does that all work? You know, we believe upon Christ Jesus, and we are, we are saved, sealed, we are justified. We are free from the penalty of sin, for we are in Christ. We are, as Paul says in Colossians, we're hidden in him because he is the propitiation. He is the covering. And then as we go on, we are to work out our salvation. We are to walk out our, our sanctification as we walk away from the power of sin and life. And then lastly, the, the day that we look forward to, the day that John is writing about, we, we look forward to the day of the Lord when we see him. And we will, we will have our salvation because instead of being in the presence of sin, we will be in his presence. And we have to be aware of these, these three folds, right? Or categories, whatever we want to call them. I'm pretty sure systematic theology has, well, they're systematized in those things of like, you know, showing you. But the three folds of salvation need to be seen because if we, we have misunderstandings, of these different aspects, it will, it will lead to confusion. As we've seen throughout church history, it will lead to confusion of how it works. How does it work? You know, how does, how does it go about? You know, in Christ, we have our justification and we are working out our sanctification and we are awaiting our glorification. In Christ, it all works together it all comes together it will accumulate in him you know the last one glorification is is what john is telling us about here it is what has not yet appeared and i like how how paul talks about this to the church he says for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us the hope of future glory that is an amazing thing to look forward to the physically physically being with our lord is what we hold on to in hardships you know yes life life hurts life is full of pains and full of suffering and struggle but it does not compare with the glory of what is to come so let us hold to the Lord above and wait upon him. And Paul also states this. Because, I, you know, this is a man that was like beaten, you know, left for dead, you know, was starved, was, had plenty, you know, had all these, all these different waiting rooms that were squishing him. And, oh, comfier, ew, you know, all these other things. People left him, everything. The shipwrecked like three times, you know, all these things. But he states this about all of that. For this light and momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. You know, I thought about it like this. Who likes ripping off their Band-Aid? Right? right off, right? 
I'm like, no, man, I you know, get it wet, you know, let it sit there, put some more water on it, you know, but it's like ripping off a Band-Aid. Yeah, that hurts for a minute, but then it's gone, right? You don't even remember it. You know, the pain is gone. One day, everything that we have been through, everything that we deal with now or in the future will be like that. Yeah, it hurts. It's something we might not have wanted to go through. Might have been like Jeannie, the itty bitty tiny living space, right? You know, it's a really small waiting room in it, but it's, you know, it's there. And all circumstances give thanks to God and Christ Jesus. That's what Paul states in his letters. Because one day it will not hurt. One day it will all be better. And there is no comparison, for we will be with the Lord of glory. And this, I love how it all comes together. When he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. Paul states it like this. For this perishable body, right, this, this tent, as he says in later parts, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable. This mortal body must put on immortality. See, our, our hope is resurrection. For flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So we look forward to the day where we will be changed with the twinkling of an eye, right? It'll just, the band-aid will be right off. It'll be better. It'll be better. All right? And then what is written will come to pass. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sing, sting? We will have new bodies. Paul tells us of our new bodies being like tents. For we know that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building, right? It's a better it's a better thing. You know, tents are kind of cool. You know, you can prop them up. You can go places. You can travel. You can enjoy, you know, but having a home is a lot different, right? You have a place to reside. You have a, a place to be comfortable. We have a building from God. That's even better, right? A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens, right? My father's house has many rooms. If I had not told you this, would I have said it? Or sorry, if it was not true, would I have told you, right? I'm trying to memorize it too, right? <laughs> but, you know, in our tents, we groan. Our knees hurt. If not, our knees are back, right? I remember talking with a fellow coworker back in the day, and it was like, oh, my back. And it's like, yeah, you know, if you're a plumber, this hurts. If you're sitting in a chair, that hurts. You know, if you're doing this or that, you know, something's going to hurt. Something's going to gonna break, So in our tent, we long for our heavenly dwelling. We look forward to the day where that which is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I like that, right? It's like, whoop, it's gone. Now we have what we wait for. Because that's what, that's what Jesus offers. Jesus offers, I am the resurrection and the life, right? He offers that where the world flips it, right? The world wants life. 
and then maybe resurrection if we need that one day, you know, but we're going to figure it out first. We're, we're going to get there. We'll be okay. Yeah, you know, we might need him maybe, but, you know, we got this, right? It's kind of going back to that illustration of the kid lost in the candy store. He's like, I'm lost. I need mom and dad, right? And then you got the husband driving down the road. I'm good. And then three hours later, they're back at the same you know, intersection. What happened, right? You know, it's, do we, do we know? Do we, do we know that we don't have it all together, but that we need someone to give us resurrection and then life? And let us not get the promise backwards. For our hope, our life, our new home is found not here, but in him. And that life with him is beyond anything here. It does not and it cannot compare. It's beautiful. For we will be like him. And that's what we're about in our, in our sanctification, right? You know, we're, we're being uh, chiseled. A skits guy has a, skit guys has a really good uh, illustration on this. And it's called the chisel. You can look it up on their website or on YouTube. And it's, you know, slowly God's chiseling away at this guy. And it's just this awesome, beautiful picture of the fact that we are being conformed into, you know, not, oh, this person or that person, but into Christ, right? We grow up into the head. And that's why some of those waiting rooms are small. Some of those are, you know, big and wide. And it's, you know, God is, and there's another one that they have too, the onion, right? Or, or like an onion, we're peeled back and it's smelly and stuff. And, but God is dealing with everything. As Paul states, it's like, kill put to death what is earthly in you and it's like i thought of it the other day it's like you know it's like walking into a household and you're cleaning all the dishes and everything and then you turn around and all these dishes all this laundry is back i'm like i think that's a good illustration of like every day we wake up and yes his mercies are new every morning and he helps us with temptations and dealings with everything and, and wants to go through the house and have us hand these things to him and say because temptation we can't kill it we have to give it to him. We have to go through the exit. We have to phone a friend, right? We have to go to the great high priest and get grace and mercy in our time of need. But that's the cool thing about that is that Jesus is about cleaning the house and helping us put, because we can't do it, we can't put it to death, but he can, and he has. But that is why we are being about being conformed into his image. And I like this because this conforming comes not by being pressed in, but by being transformed. It comes from one degree of glory to another as we behold the glory of the Lord, right? And that's the cool thing about the Christian community is that we all have different gifts. We all have different talents. We all have different things that we can do and be about. But as, a, sorry to quote a sci-fi movie, but as the planet of the apes, people say, apes together strong, right? We are stronger together. By ourselves in a waiting room, we're kind of scared and alone. Communication is cut off. That's what the enemy wants to do. That's what the enemy wants to do is, is cut off communication so we're not in it together. They're really good movies, by the way. Come on over and watch them, okay? You're more than welcome. <laughs> and there's a new one coming out, right, Miss Marge? It looks really good. <laughs> so, I'm like, come on, March or May. I can't remember when it's coming out, but... You know, from one degree to another, 
And we are about this in the here and now. So the life of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal flesh. That as we are that light, as we're gathering around the fire and stoking it together, let people know why we are here. Because some of us may never, someone out there, right, may never pick up a Bible. In fact, the truth is that you, me, this church, that church, wherever church, you know, they're a church everywhere, a church, church, right? They will see them. They will see us. They will see how we love one another. And as we go on in, in John 3, we'll, we'll talk about that more of, of our love for one another is, is what is going to show the world. Going to show the world. Because we might be the only Bible that someone reads, right? You know? You know there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then you. <laughs> is how one apologist said it once. And I was like, that's, that's good. That's going into a sermon one day, you know? We live for him and we look forward to be to being this to Christ to, sorry to, to this Christ who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. That's cool because when we read the resurrection account and we read those things that's that's the stuff that we get to look forward to popping out of walls scaring people that'd be fun right you know no <laughs> but that's what we look forward to. In him, we will partake. I love that. You know, there's beloved, there's saints, there's holy and beloved, but there's this word that just is like, just cool. Because in Christ, we are partakers. We partake. You know, Jesus says it to the woman of the well, I will give living water and that will become a spring of living water, Right? we become partakers of the divine nature and we escape from the corruption of this world because of sinful desires. This points us to the very end of the whole matter, that once again God will dwell with mankind again. As John, who also wrote Gospel of John and 1 John and 2 and 3, he wrote in Revelation this at the end. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads and night will be no more, and they will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Right? That's amazing that the Bible ends with a light that is not the sun, and also begins with a light that's not the sun. Like, hmm, that's, that's interesting and amazing. You have the throne of God, and at the throne of the Lamb, this is where we will see God face to face again. And all will be set right once more. John ends with this in, in verse 3, chapter 3 of 1 John. He says, And let everyone who thus hopes in him purify himself as he is pure. Now, I like this, right? Because the standard never changes. Right? You know, the world and everything, you know, they change things. You know, they're like, you know what, we're going to, you know, the rules of this game aren't so fun, so we're going to call it something else and make it, make it fun. 
But the standards of Christianity, the standards of Scripture never change because Christ Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. His word remains unchanged because he is unchanging. So the measuring rods that we've, we've walked through and looked back upon and everything are here. So the question, the awesome question is, what are we going to do with all of this hope, right? What are we, we going to do with all this hope? We of the household are those who thus hope, right? Got to stick a King James word in there, right, ESV? You know, thus, thusly. <laughs> and we thus hope, so let us be pure. Let us look upon the standard of holiness, right? Not Mr. and Mrs. Johnson or, you know, Mr. and Mrs. whomsoever, but looking upon the Lord himself and be transformed, be chiseled, be peeled back like the onion that we would allow the Lord to deal with all of our earthly. There's a really good book on that. It's Christ, My Heart's Home. I can't remember who it's written by, but it's a small little book that I'm like, I can picture the uh, the title page and everything, but it's really good because it's it's all about this man taking, taking Jesus through his household and he's like, yeah, you don't need to open up that closet, you know, but Jesus opens it and deals with all the mess and all the skeletons in there. And it's just a, such a cool little lovely picture of like that as we uh, let Christ abide in us and we abide in him, that that it would be, that where it's like yeah i messed up here yeah i did that there and just handing it to him and going to the throne of grace because we have a great high priest who who sympathizes with us right he doesn't just empathize and sit in the room with us in our pain but no he sympathizes us sympathizes with us so he can pull us out of the pit and set us on something higher and that something higher is he right it's god he is the rock that we cling so closely to and we look to him, we be transformed by him, by being in the word, right? I think that's like been the, the application the last couple of Sundays, but it's by being in the word, being in the word in season and out of season, by reading it and memorizing it, by being a student of the word and studying it and applying it to life. I think it was it was Simon who said it that that whole in in season out of thing in season out of season stands out. It means when you feel it and when you don't, right? When the waiting room is fine and you got all your friends and you got no cares whatever, or if the waiting room is really tight and, and squishy, you know, it's just not feeling too well. And we are called children of God we are called children of God in Christ Jesus and we are urged to walk the walk waiting is hard for sure right both hands it's not the funnest but when you're waiting for a trip when you're waiting for a journey when you're waiting for an adventure that you just can't wait to get in the car and get going man right you know you love that feeling right you pack up you can't even fall asleep you're like let's just leave right now Honey, the kids are awake or asleep. <laughs> yeah. Just throw them in there. We're going. You know? May that be how we wait upon the Lord's return. Upon the Lord's coming. May his his truth, may the truth of his coming 
make us pure by that standard. Let's uh, close on a word of prayer. Now, Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you that we can just take stock of, of everything we've gone through, everything that we're going through, and know that there is a glorious day where it will all be okay. That those in you, that those in the household, that those waiting upon you in constant hope and expectation will be made like you. That, that the corrupted, the, the mortal will be swallowed up by life is gone and it's gone it's making us makes us very mindful that life is but a vapor and eternity is what what the word means it's forever and lord help us just cry out to the world help us abide in you more and more each day that we could go further in and further up to to be a witness with great joy telling it on the mountain <laughs> telling it that glad tidings and good news are to all of humanity that Christ is born to save the ungodly. Christ has come to save the ungodly. Christ died and rose to save the ungodly. And we are all in that boat. And Lord, we just thank you. Thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Help us just know the standard more and more each day. And we don't need to know it all and know everything and have it all memorized, but that we would, we would start somewhere. We would start reading, start studying, start memorizing a little bit here or there. And that, like a light, a lamp unto our path, that we would have your word hidden in our hearts that we might not sin against you, that we might love one another well, be peaceable and, and, and just of great joy. And we praise you for this opportunity to just be together. And thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this, this body. Thank you for fellow believers. Lord, I pray for each one of them that they would be encouraged and equipped, that they would be strengthened, and that they would know that you're just a step away, just a prayer away. That in their time of need, no matter how small or how big, that grace and mercy are there in our time of need, and then so is the body. We thank you for today, Lord. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. <laughs>